Welcome to Let It Ride with True North, the podcast where we interview people in trucking. Whether they're drivers, family, or simply in the industry, we're here to spotlight them and their experiences. I'm Milan, the Community and Engagement Manager here at True North, bringing you real conversations and stories you won't find anywhere else on the road. Let's ride. Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. Today we have on Mike, and he gives us insight into his trucking experience and starting his company, what it's like to be an ice road trucker, and tells us all about the origins of his haunted truck. Let's get into it. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Glad to be here. I'm going to let you introduce yourself first. Tell us a little bit about yourself what your background is, how long you've been at True North. Give me the entirety. Alrighty. Hi, guys. I'm Mike Tomlinson. Uh, I'm originally from Ballard, Washington. I'm a Canadian-American businessman. And how I got into owning my own company is that I grew up in a working family. So both my mom and dad were self-employed. My dad actually started Five Star Trucking, which was the largest commercial boiler inspection services in the West Coast at the time. I always knew that I wanted to be my own businessman, especially since I had such huge shoes to fill of my mom and dad. And you never decided to take over that family business at all? My dad stopped and sold out when I was pretty young still, just because it was like being a truck driver. He'd be out on outages for months at a time. And as you can imagine with small kids, we didn't have the mental capacity to be okay with his absence. So he stopped that. They actually wanted me to take over the family business. And my mom runs one of the longest running estate sale company and one of the most successful estate sale companies in Seattle. And so she wanted me to take over that. My heart's just not in that. And unfortunately, my heart's also not in Seattle anymore. As the city progressed and as the people did too, I just ran away mentally from what that town is now versus what it was when I was growing up. It's just night and day difference. So I grew up in San Francisco and the same thing. It's completely different than what I remember it being like. So I'm across the bridge now. Sometimes you disconnect to a place that you love so much. The place that you love so much is not there anymore. I still call it the same thing. Yeah, it still mildly looks like it. Mm -hmm. Things changed and, you know, what you loved, what isn't there anymore. So yeah, yeah. you can either accept it and live with it in there. A lot of people do. Or you can go find out someplace that's more what would fit your fancy. And so where are you now? I'm currently in the move to Sierra Blanca, Texas. So it's a very small town just west of Van Horn, just east of El Paso. Okay. It's such a difference between being a super city kid to a very small town. Why did you make a transition like that? I was a part of the Seattle network growing up. That is true. But my neighborhood, Ballard, was like a city and it was a city at one time. So growing up, I never really quite got the large city feel. It was more like a small town feel with the fishermen and it was like small fishing town. So that's not too different. But I saw what Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos saw and I decided to take advantage of it. So 
basically what you're looking at is the U.S. is talking to Mexico right now. They're beefing up their production facilities on the border. Like you remember McAllen, Texas used to be very small and everyone's like, yeah, why do you want to live there? But mm -hmm. now you can't find a single place to rent or live down there just because you've got so much cross-border traffic. I have many friends that actually live in McAllen right now, and they go over to Sonora and work in Mexico. So what I was looking at is that they're doing that there. El Paso's beefing up and getting ready for the Mexican influx. And so what I see in the next 30 years is El Paso bleeding out towards Sierra Blanca, which would increase the property, plus also allow for more business opportunities out there as well as the owner of Amazon with the whole Blue Origin thing. He's lighting off rockets just to the town to the right, Van Horn, and he's built a whole neighborhood over there. It looks like a really good opportunity for me to actually have a transportation hub down there, especially when 20 acres is only like $36,000 at okay. this time. It's like what the large trucking companies did in the 50s, like Warner Enterprises. I'm just going to buy a whole field that's there and it's going to cost nothing, but I'm going to build up as the city builds up around me kind of thing. Dang. Okay. So it seems like you got a plan. Yeah, absolutely. I've got large plans to grow. And like I've said in the past, symbiotically, because I, I think that's the best way to go about things here is to make as many business friends as you can, like with True North and Ginstedge and Tom and everyone. And use your company, leverage your company with their company. So grow both up as strong as you can. Gotcha. So your parents are business people. You always wanted to be a business person. But how did you navigate getting into the trucking industry? To be honest with you, I had a really crappy job at the time. I was working in the sewers, pretty much. A sewer technician for a plumbing company. Okay. So... Yeah, so a really so, I mean, pity job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your toilet doesn't flush anymore, and you call me to figure out why. You know, a lot of times I'd be digging down and digging ten foot holes, opening up your main line that connects that city to your house, relieving pressure, rebuilding, and repulling line. So I got laid off of that actually, and the company really made me angry because they just stopped working me but wouldn't hire me so I couldn't get any benefits not that I wanted any anyways I dropped out of college I was never really a smart kid I told my mom all that growing up that oh he'll find a good job at the supermarket Mr. Can't Do Right and I saw an ad online for trucking and I made a two-second decision and was like oh, I'm done I'm gone I'm also leaving for college I'm gonna be alone so I just said I'm going to become a truck driver. And everyone said I couldn't. I'm saying, no, you can't. You're not good enough for that. Kind of fueled me in a way. My whole line of success happened just because I was willing to die instead of actually fail. Because I felt like every time I failed, I felt like if I go home now, then I already know what my life is going to be like for the next 50 years. The, monot the monotony starts then. To me, it was very scary. Yeah. My soul's not just work at a grocery store for the rest of your life. I mean, yeah. The world is so insane. Like, it's so massive and complex and got so many different things that it would really upset me if I could not go out there and enjoy all of it. 
you decided to go into trucking and what was your first trucking experience? Were you working at a company? So I went to school and it was massively horrible. They put me in a hotel and they had rules. So the rules were you can't just go walking around. You can't be seen in the front outside. You have to go out through the back and into the back. Continental breakfast is not free to you. You have to wait till all of the hotel is done. And then you have to pay five to $10 per plate to eat. And then they'd wake you up and you'd uh, start your morning at around five in the morning and come back at seven or eight at night and have to spend the rest of your night studying because it was fast paced. Like I remember there was a strip club that was actually doing a all you can eat buffet. And I went in there and was pretending to be interested in the women and whatnot. But really, I was really hungry. And I was in there for the food and they figured that out, asked me questions. I'm like, yeah, I'm really trying to make it. And the girls just sat down with me and allowed me to eat. And were like, oh, no, we'll pay for him. It's fine. Because they saw, wow, this kid's actually starving. That was one of the ways that I was able to actually eat while going through training. I got my license in Waxahachie, Texas. Did you go to multiple strip clubs just to eat? Is this like a thing that happened after this? Just one, actually. I okay. can't remember the name of it. But yeah, then from there went to Warner Enterprises, which was not much better, but a whole lot better than what I just was through. Back then, you're talking about a student that's trying to learn how to drive a semi-truck. You're going right next to the stadium in Dallas, and your shifter pops off because the truck's so old and in such disrepair. And the instructors will shove it back in. And it's like, shit. Yeah. Like, it's not a problem for me now, but like, you have a truck, a trailer in the city, and this is your second day <laughs> yeah. in that truck. That's all right. So you might as well strap me to a spaceship and said, all right, take it up. So how long were you at these companies before you decided to become an owner operator or do your own thing? I was into trucking for about a good year. I was at Warner for the longest of it. It was a good, I want to say, six months before I actually got any home back. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like two-second decision, you leave Friday, it's Tuesday, you leave, you don't come back for six months, like military boot camp appointment. I think my company actually just had its like seventh or eighth birthday. Dang, look at you. Yeah, Ballard Northern's been around since 2015. That's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay, first of all, I would say you're very successful. We already talked about, you've been on the podcast you've done like ads for us now you've done blog posts you've been in our owner operator spotlight i'm like you're up there like your face has been a lot of places <laughs> getting any recognition for what i'm doing really just blows my mind i don't expect any recognition or anything like that you've been growing your business yourself and i think you're one of the shining examples of what we'd like True North to be like. So how did you find out that you wanted to have trucks underneath you? And how is it trying to build your own fleet? It's like having kids. There's so many bad things that happen, but it's so wonderful at the same time that you are like really happy you did that and went through the journey. It was just progressive steps, right? Like my mom and everyone said, you can't be a truck driver. So I became one. Then you can't lease a truck. And I did. And then you can't start a company. And then I did. And I'm like, gosh, are you guys getting tired of that? 
Or you just yell at me to give me more ideas now. But if they didn't tell you can't do anything, how would you know what to do? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Just stumble around in the dark and hope that something works. Especially now, I've surrounded myself for years with learning everything. I'm never bored in the truck. A lot of times I'll just wonder something and look it up on YouTube or listen to Jeff Bezos speak or other businessmen speak and always ask myself, does what they say make sense? What can I take from it? So yeah, no, now I've got three trucks going down to two trucks that's going to resurface up to three again. I'm just doing a shift because why not? Yeah, it's your business. Yeah, because business is horrible right now. It's horrible. I could just sit here saying how horrible it is, but I could just start selling some things off to buy more things to recondition. And I think having a horrible market just gives you that time to make changes that you need to. This is not the time for growth, but it's the time for a restructure. Yeah. So what are you trying to restructure for or to? I'm trying to go down to one body. Before I was mainly one body. Now I'm two body platforms and trucks. So I'm going to be going all the way Kenworth. It's the same engine platform, same body platform. The T660s and W900s and T800s are pretty much what I'm going to be focusing with, which will reduce costs and be really good for my company, I believe. Okay. And so if you were recommending other people who are trying to grow their fleet, why would you recommend that they go to one body? You look at airlines, right? Alaskan Air and all Southwest. And you notice that they're all Boeing or all Airbus. So you're looking at any damage that has that happens to your trucks and where that happens to your trucks, but then you're also looking at the bulk of it parts, right? So what do the T660, the W900 BNL series and the T or W800 have in common? They have the same cab, they have the same sleeper, and the sleeper is actually detachable from the truck. It's not a unibody design. So tomorrow, if I wanted to, I could just pull my sleeper off, put a new one on, or put a flat back on and turn it into a day cap if I'd like to. So it gives me more of a tactical advantage because, say, eventually I have these trucks and I'm like, I need five day caps. Well, I could just pull the sleepers off, some to the back on there. But also, all these trucks have in common is that they have the same everything. So I'm buying for one kind, right? So the set that I buy for say the interior components, some exterior components are going to work on all my vehicles that I'll have. So I can only buy them once. Whereas if say I have a Kenworth or a Volvo and a international, now I have to buy three sets of parts. So it actually significantly lowers the amount of warehouse space that I'll eventually need and the money that I need to spend in order to house actual parts for uh, the fleet. Damn, that's hella smart. (laughs) First of all, you blew my mind. I didn't even know that you could take apart a truck and just turn it into a day cab. So that just blew my mind. You notice that in between the sleeper and the truck, it has a small gap. Yeah. That's the joining gap. In the old days, you're able to do that. And they made trucks differently than they do today. Uh, Now today, it's all weight savings. Now today is more of the 
aerodynamic, but you also have the push, like the government has a push away from owner operators, right? I'm under the influence that like I could be like the U.S. Air Force and just have significantly older trucks that can continue to retrofit. And that could save me a lot of money in the future. Pull the old engine out, slap a new engine and transmission in, pull an interior out, custom build an interior in. Sounds like a lot of work. But right now, you got to understand that a 2019 Freightliner Cascadia, some people are asking $250,000 for it. Damn. Which is just astronomically more expensive than anyone should ever pay for a used Cascadia. Yeah. Wow. Okay. How many miles do you have? Under me? Yeah. Oh, my. I moved around a little. So it's not verified. I would guess around like a million and a half, maybe. Okay. Million been driving since 2012. And I pretty much killed my whole old life. Like when I got into trucking, I pretty much killed it. I'm Mr. Trucking. This is what I do. This is me almost every day of the week, unless if I'm visiting my family. So what's your home time like versus your on the road time? And how do you choose when it's time to go home? Basically, either I want to hang out with my family or I'm putting out fires elsewhere. So okay. this year with buying the property, building some things on it, moving things down, I've had, I want to say really a week and a half, a little under two weeks of time off this year. I wouldn't mind more time off, but honestly, I'm just one man. And my command structure is two more people that don't really do as much as I do. I'm very aggressive in the industry. So I just always have a lot of things going on. Okay. Any home time that I take is hard because I can't just drop everything. I went in and surprised my family, my mom and my dad, because they're 73 this year. So they're getting up there. He got out of the hospital a little while ago for falling off the roof. Oh my the God. House. Why, why is I he know. on the roof? He's my dad. His dad's lived to 102. The roof was leaking and I needed to fix it. And all that I asked him is that, hey, please have mom there because I don't want you to just fall off the roof and lie there for a yeah. couple of days. I yeah. always have someone to call, drive you to the hospital. I don't think anyone who is over the age of 50 should be on any kind of roof. That's an arbitrary cutoff. Realistically, no one should be on a roof unless they are like a capable person. And my dad's mostly a capable. We grew up in an English-Canadian household. And so certain things are socially different between the U.S. and Canada. And one of those is like the large quality of life kind of thing. So my dad always taught us instead of like in America where it's more common for you to pro-manage some things that your parents do for their health and safety, we are taught more or less you're not living unless you live the way that you want to. Yeah. I could yell at him until the cows come home and try to make it so that he can't do these things, but that would impact his quality of life. You That's know. Fair. It, yeah. How would you like to live in that age? Yeah. Nobody wants to be infantilized. It is difficult because you're sitting there going, that's probably going to kill him sooner than later. <laughs> you don't want him to die, um, obviously, but at the same time, he's doing what he wants to do. I think that there are ways to do that without putting yourself Just in, in your danger. Life. Make a nice collage or, you Drink know. whiskey, watch the ducks go by. 
Yeah, yeah. Make some friends. Do an activity. Learn a new dance move. I'm assuming no one's ever died from a puzzle. And I'm just saying plenty of people fall and die from falling off a roof. So I'm just putting that out there. Maybe your Christmas gift for your dad is just a nice puzzle and just say, don't break your back. We need someone to tell parents that you are more than mortal. We're not all 30-year-olds anymore. Okay. So. Yeah. I mean, like my dad, we have funny stories from the past of his dad. We once rushed down to South Seattle because he wasn't. his dad wasn't answering the phone at 90 years old. And oh, God. We broke into his house thinking that he slipped and fell. He's living alone. And 10 minutes later, he came through the door and he was on a date with a lady from his church. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, I was a date with Cheryl from the church. So, all right. What's the best place to travel? Nationally or internationally? Oh, wow. Got an international man over here. I'm going to say... Give me both. Nationally, it depends on what you're looking for. Western Washington, Oregon areas are just phenomenal. I feel like the California thing, California is really good too. I am really not a fan of the LA area. I'm not really a fan of the San Diego area, but weed down to Sacramento. That area, especially on 101 up there is just really great. Going around the South, like Texas and all that's fun for food. Florida's fun for weather. The tropical coast of Texas is also fun. Anywhere along the Gulf. Yeah. And then internationally, I obviously do love Canada, except for Quebec, not too much. But Canada's great. God, France, though. France and Mexico also. I've been to Juarez. I've been to Tijuana. Those places are pretty fun, full of nice people. There's nothing really like France, honestly. So international travel is definitely up there for you. Yeah, no, if I go on vacation, I think it would be really fun for me to be international. Just because I've been to everywhere in the U.S. I've been to every major city, secondary major city. Been over a million miles in America. So yeah. at the end of the day, I know America so well that going yeah. somewhere new outside of America might just be great. Just Experience something that's out of your comfort zone, kind of. Gotcha. So what's your next place to travel? I would really love to go to the Netherlands. The Netherlands seems fun. Are you a road trip person? Do you like road trips? Or do I do. Like flying yeah. everywhere. I like flying too, obvious aviation. But yeah, road trips would be fun. Go to like different destinations and they're just... So many more places in America that you can't fit a truck and where you can't fit a truck. Yeah, road trips would be great. It's not in the best condition right now, but I have a 31-foot fifth-wheel trailer. Cool. Yeah, for quite a while, just because I didn't know where I wanted to live. I didn't want to rent a, an apartment or buy a house. And two years down the road, be like, don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, so, how does that feel when you're also a truck driver? Like living in a travel trailer? Yeah, how's it like living in a travel trailer and then also being a truck driver? Similar because you could, it's a trailer that you can pull with your truck or with a pickup truck. You can live in it, which is nice. But you have bed, TV, house, kitchen in it, and a bathroom, which my truck does not have, and a shower, which is nice. 
Where do you, you know, go in the winter time? My my dumbass is always usually stuck up on the northern states because that's where the money is. Because okay. no one wants to be in that weather and no one wants to be in the snow, and so they all flock to the southern states where it's a lot warmer. So I usually get stuck up in the northern states because money's great. It's a trap either way. You go down south and the rates aren't shit and you don't make much money. And then you go up north and the rates are great, but it's really hard. Okay. Yeah. Someone once told me, how would you like your shit sandwich? Because either way you're eating shit. Yeah. Look at it this way. In America, in the south, there's so much demand for freight that they could just be like, $1.50 is the best we could do, and someone's going to take it. They throw it to the wall and hope that something sticks. But in the North, if you're one of 10,000 trucks, and out of those 10,000 trucks, you've got maybe 2,000 of them all through the Northern states that are not loaded already. The shippers, receivers, and brokers know if you don't make the rate good, chances are your load's just going to sit on the dock. Yeah. So they raise the rates up. Tell me something interesting about your trucking experience. What's your trucking experience been like? You have any crazy stories on the road? Do you want a micro experience or just a general like things that you may encounter probably? Now that you've called it the Michael experience, I definitely want the Michael experience. All right. Weather related or supernatural? <laughs> Which one would you rather start with? Oh, I think weather because a lot less people are going to call bullshit out on the weather than supernatural because i know not everyone believes in ghosts so there's this one time i was over there and i think it was colby kansas and my girlfriend at the time was with me and i was in the sonic right across from the ta i was seeing purple clouds with you know lightning every two seconds i just have a feeling that there's an hourly tornado coming down here and so, so hop back in the truck get everything ready and really fast because I'm going to outrun this thing. And my girlfriend at the time looks at me and goes, why are you so frantic? And I'm like, there's going to be a tornado. I know there is. She goes, what makes you think there's going to be a, and then the CB goes off, the radio goes off, her phones go off mm -hmm. with the alarm. It says tornado. And she looked at me and I'm like, let's go. So it start driving eastbound. And it just goes pitch black dark at one or two in the afternoon. Like, yeah. it's bad. The wind is pegging my antenna mirrors to the truck. It's sucking the stickers off my truck. It got to the point where it was so bad and you could hear it. You can hear the tornado. And the water stopped falling from the sky, but puddled up in the ground and started flying back into the sky. The whole wow. Silent Hill movies were the ash would just start rising from the ground and flying back into the sky. That's what it looked like through the headlights because you can only see through the freaking headlights because everything was just black. And she looked at me and she's, are we going to die? I'm like, yep, I think so. <laughs> yeah, if you want to text your mom or call your mom, I think now would be a very good time to do that. She thought she was going to die and I thought I was going to die, but for some reason we got out of it. And when we got out of it, she's, oh, we're, it's over. I'm like, no, we, now we have to worry about drowning. Because now we're in the backspin of it. So yeah. now it's all that water it's sucking up. It's just dumping on us. It must have been like close enough to just throw a rock at. But tornadoes are one of the most terrifying things because they don't really make sense all the time. Yeah. You could be a mile away from it and it start hurting you. Or you could just literally be close enough to touch it. 
and it's not going to hurt you. Tornadoes have the ability to destroy every house on the block, but then leave one plot of land just totally untouched. Green grass, house is fine. Nothing is disturbed. Tornadoes are just weird that way. They're They're terrified, yeah. They make choices. It's not creepy when you have an earthquake sometimes, because in earthquakes, it's everywhere, non-discriminatory. But for a tornado that you can actually see what choices it's made or make it look like or seem like it makes active human-like choices is a lot more creepy because now it's a being that looks like it's making choices. So it just adds that creep factor for me. Yeah, I'm assuming you've experienced so many different kinds of natural disasters because you're just everywhere when you go driving. From growing up in the Pacific Northwest to driving truck, yeah, I experienced almost everything. Yeah. I think the only thing I'm truly missing right now, to be honest, is a volcanic eruption. <laughs> I grew up in Seattle. I was actually there for the Nisqually earthquake or so. Yeah. Yeah. So I got hit with the 6.8 and then I've gotten hit by tornadoes. I got hit with bad snowstorms, blizzards, polar vortex. Last year, I ran away from a hurricane coming out of okay. Louisiana. Out of the Hammond area. Yeah. And you were an ice grew trucker, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no extreme winters. Yeah. I did that with Warner Enterprises for a time. It wasn't like anything glorious, like I was filmed or anything, but it was in uh, Alberta and Manitoba, oh like northern. God. So, like, you'd hit Edmonton up there and then go north almost to the Northwest Territories up there, it's like mm-hmm. very far up there. Okay, tell me a little bit more about ice road trucking and what that entails. What is it like? Up that far north, the snow acts differently. It's very powdery and dry, and it packs on the road. So for the most part, it drives very well. It's actually more, at times, it could be more grippy than pavement. Like dry. So like you hit the brakes, you're going to different things to look out for. So like clouds of uh, purple fog that you see. That's what you'd call like an ice cloud. And if you drive through it, it puts a sheet of ice over everything. But you got other things like when I was staging over in Calgary, you've got the Chinook winds. And what that does is it takes it from 50 below to positive 20, like that degrees. Okay. And what that does is it lowers everything and it dries everything out. And everyone in the city gets a cold. All at once. You're, you have asthma and your inhaler has to be pepper spray. Everything wow. burns, it hurts. No way to get any cold medicine because the whole town sold out. Forget about it. How do people deal with that? Water. People don't realize this. They think, oh, you're going to get dehydrated on a hot day. That is true. But people don't realize that when you're in that drive cold, it leaches the water from you faster okay. than on a hot day. So, you need to just continuously be like a heavy drinker of water or juices or whatnot because that cold and dry weather will give you nosebleeds, it'll crack your skin, and it'll dry you out faster. And you can actually die of dehydration out there in that cold. This is in Canada? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, you get that in Alaska, you get that in Canada, some places up near Minnesota and all that, Wisconsin in the winter. But a lot of times in Canada, 
yeah, you get a lot of cold winters that just suck the water from you. Are you a winter person? What's your favorite season? Favorite season is spring and summer. I've had my fun in the snow and I've yeah. had my fun in the cold. My parents are professional curlers. So Damn, I love curling. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, no. So in the 70s and 80s, my dad was Team USA. And my For real? Yeah, my mom was senior Team USA. And my uncle was junior Team USA. Like, crazy. Okay, the girls' uh, Olympic team. I've actually met a couple of them. Curling is such a weird sport just because the most famous of curlers could walk into your club, sit down at the bar, and talk with you. I would assume out of all the athletes, curlers are like the most normal people. Yeah, we're a fun bunch, an odd bunch. But yeah, yeah. that's why growing up, I was primarily like winter-based because that's when I would do the family sport kind of thing. And for a long, a lot of my life, it was actually really fun. But now I'm enjoying the Texas summers. I'm enjoying being out in the sun, drinking some good beers or whiskey. And just ever since being a trucker, winters are just really hard. You, know, can imagine. you, you don't make any money really, or a lot of money hibernating, but working at the same time and just- There's no but, Christmas. Like I think your Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff like that, they're like pretty- they are good times for reefer more. I used to be reefer reefer. Yeah, is really big for that. But for the most part, you got a lot of winter storms holding you up. You got winter snow and ice, and all that damaging your truck. So, you know what I have been making? I've been losing a lot in the wintertime just because it is harder to run. The chains dig into your tires or in your tires, things like that. So extra things that you don't necessarily have in the summer because you're over the road so much that affects when you go home correct are you going home for christmas time or what's it like for those holidays for you yeah i have not experienced those holidays for a drive van yet okay so i don't know what drive van's gonna necessarily look like but yeah i might go home might drive up there though in my personal car or whatnot because I'd like to be with my parents since they're getting older. You're probably going to have to put up the Christmas light, right? Since your dad's no longer being allowed on the roof. <laughs> we have to talk about your very haunted truck and why it does not like women. Yeah. Wow. Just to be clear here, I love women. I like women. <laughs> women are yeah. great. Yeah, I don't know why it hates women so much. Please honestly. explain to people why I just said that. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So I got it at 70,000 miles. It's a 2016 Volvo VNL 780 that was custom to the last company I worked for by this husband and wife team. And this, mm -hmm. as the story goes, I got it for a great deal because at 70,000 miles, the wife was just too mentally insane to drive and had to be committed. Okay, whatever happens. I'm sorry about that. But I took it. Some things just felt weird with it. Some things were just like, and I knew I put something there or, man, I don't know how that thing could have fallen. But I've dated a couple of girls in that truck and they just all slowly start to go insane. I got one of my good friends, Steven, in that truck and he started to go insane. And in fact, the year his mom died, before his mom died, he got freaked out and called me all over and called me. And I'm like, 
what are you talking about? And he goes, well, I heard a voice. I'm like, hmm. what do you mean? Yeah, this like disembodied voice that said your mom's going to die because of the smoke and the fires and she's going to die soon. It's trying to be supportive. I'm sure your mom's going to be okay. I don't want to be like, yeah, you should be concerned. But I just said, you only get one mom. So <laughs> air on the side of caution, right? Yeah. And then a week or two later, she wouldn't answer her phone. So he did a welfare check. She was dead. Yeah. And then the last person that I hired to put in that truck ended up going insane. And before I let her go, she literally called me and was like, Mike, the truck's making me go insane. I can't explain it. I just can't explain it. It feels like it's eating my soul. I just, I'm sorry, but I'm going insane in this. Wow. Yeah. And I was like that. My friend Steven has a rule about that truck. Do not play Hotel California on it because it will send the speakers up to the maximum volume and start distorting it. Okay. Yeah. I I've seen it throw things at my ex-girlfriend. So I had one girl that was really short and she's standing on the dog food thing to get into the top cabinet. And that cabinet with her standing on the dog food pole or bin was like head level at it. And she looked at me and she's like, there's nothing good here. I'm sick and tired of this food and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, a thing of udon noodles, like this big bowl that you could mm -hmm. buy at Costco, flew straight out and hit her in her head and fell off to the ground. She looked down at it, looked at me, and she goes, well, I guess I'm eating that. <laughs> so do you have any theories on why this is happening? Any theories at all? As someone who, is, who owns this truck. Don't know. Maybe someone died on the production line over there. Because it's a 2016, so as new can be, and you're thinking about it, it was assembled haunted? Assembled haunted. Okay. There's something happened. Because when you think of haunted things, you're thinking of artifacts. You're thinking about your granddad's Studebaker or something old. Yeah, something that, very old. Or something that had been around long enough to actually have something significant happen to it. Yeah, have a story. Yeah, it could be that the husband and wife duo that you bought it from had some issues or something. Who's to know? Who's to say? Maybe they got into some weird accident and now there's a ghost that's trapped inside. I'm not entirely sure. I just like to make up stories. It's all possible because they're like, I seem to have good luck in it. It's only been towed two times or so. In 700,000 miles, which is almost unheard of, one was just an air compressor, which happens. And then the other one was a fuel pump, which also just happens. I mean, I've limped that thing. Like, it's had a dime-sized hole in its charge air cooler once, and I limped it from Raton past New Mexico all the way down to pretty much Dallas. And the shop couldn't believe I did that, but yeah, it seems to like me pretty well. So okay. I, I don't... Well, it's just because okay. you're a nice guy, like... So I don't know if I really... I hope so. Or maybe my satanic worship has... Uh, no, I'm kidding. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe the ghost really respects your business acumen. Or maybe the ghost is Canadian. I like to treat trucks really nice, though. So that might be it. I have some things I do, old school things. If I walk across the front of a truck, I'll put my hand on the either the top of the hood or the emblem of it, you know, and pat it a couple times on my way around. But just treat the truck special. Okay. 
All right. Just I know a lot of new truckers aren't, but a lot of the old timers are really superstitious about trucks. A lot of them won't even talk bad about their trucks when they're within like eyesight of their truck, just because they have a theory that a truck is like a woman. If you piss her off, then you've got hell to pay. So yeah. it doesn't make a difference because if it does, you don't want it to catch you with your pants down. Yes, exactly. And I think that's the reason why I typically do not try to speak <laughs> ill of the dead because I don't want to be haunted whenever I live in a new house. One of the first things that I do is address the dead because my apartment that I'm in now, there was a older woman that was living there. I don't know if she died here. She might have. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't want to speak ill of anyone who lived in this house. And I am like, if you are a ghost and you would like to show me, great. If not, let's just be cool roommates. Help yourself to anything that's in the house. Just don't wake me up in the middle of the night because I'll get cranky. Just keep on chilling. Keep on being dead. My mom and dad's <laughs> house is haunted too. The yeah. house was built in 1912 and it had a fire in it when the house was being built. So I speculate that someone died. There's something in, in that fire. Yeah. 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 Because it congregates in the basement right around the furnace and the, the chimney stack but yeah, yeah i've talked to it before it used to terrorize me as a young child but then i finally was like you know what i just told it hey i'm only going to be here for a while i'm just technically what you'd call passing through okay this is your house this is your place i'm just here temporarily i think if you die in a place it's yours like I'm gonna I mean, out. I mean, some people do like less things if i lick it it's fine so yeah. why not if you die somewhere if sure yeah it be yours so as far as hauntings go did the people who were in the truck know that it was haunted did you tell them that it was haunted no at that time it was just an odd thing all right so at that time i just thought it was what it was she went crazy and now has to be hospitalized so at that time there was no pattern because they're mm -hmm. the first owners of it but then as i started to see the pattern emerge and it was the same thing happening time after time independently with different people unaware i just started to go holy crap the same thing's happening yeah so after five different people of the same things happening too and you're documenting it and the women are mostly affected it really hates women it doesn't like steve too much it's growing dull steve now oh, that's he kind of nice. grows on you yeah yeah he's really sad about watching it get sold go like mm -hmm. he's almost to tears he's really sentimental about it just because mm -hmm. we, we've worked so hard to get it oh my goodness you can't imagine how hard it's like playing a five-year game of tug of war in that pattern and then the last girl going i feel like the truck's making me go insane and i would i had asked her i'm like what makes you feel that way yeah the longer i'm outside and away from that truck the better i feel but then as soon as i go into that truck it just slowly eats into me okay it's like it, she said feelings of impending doom bad feelings towards others she felt that like i as a business owner started to scheme against her like i told her i'm a really busy man and don't have the time or the energy to scheme against someone plus also if i do bad things towards you that negatively impacts me as a business owner in multiple ways doesn't look good watching it was just rules kind of no more women in that truck you know because i'm an equal opportunity employer and on top of that, 
I like women just because they have been shown to have a greater attention to some safety details. They don't have that testosterone factor where they're going to be like, I need to prove to you that I'm more impressive this way. Ah, like they're more career and goal oriented and driven. Studies have shown that women can actually be better drivers than men more times than not, statistically speaking. In the past, I've hired a lot of women drivers just for that reason. Uh, they want a job. This industry was primarily predominantly man-driven. And there's a lot of companies where some people are just like, oh, you need help with that because you're a woman. And it's like, women are strong. Women are resilient. For women, if they need help, they're going to ask. Yeah. They're not going to let their ego get in the way. I'm sad to hear that the haunted truck is being sold, but hopefully it goes to a nice home where the person does not like the Eagles and is not a woman. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like it. 75% chance it will be sold out of the industry. Oh, okay. Yeah, because of the kind of truck it is, I'm listing it on a lot of heavy-duty RV enthusiasts. There's a huge group of people that haul RVs with trucks and register the semi-truck as a continuation RV. Oh, interesting. Okay. I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. It's a small community, but they take clothes are their favorite because they're automatic. You drive lots of space. You give it a nice retirement. I think that's a very good transition period. Hopefully it's more happy that way. Maybe it's more about the industry than it didn't like. And hopefully the ghosts will be set free. Or be at ease because what's the eventuality for all these trucks usually in this industry? Take them for parts, ship down to Mexico or Guatemala or Russia. Just all entirely scrapped out. Yeah. Sadly. So I feel like for all that truck's given me, my company and my trucking family, I could at least give it to a nice owner that's going to take individualized care of it and treat it the way that I've been treating it for all these years. Yeah. Okay. It's a really sad moment, but I understand. And also you have so many other things going on. You're running an entire empire. God, that, that sounds weird to hear. Saying what? Empire and all that. You're building an <laughs> empire. Is that not true? It's true. It's just weird to hear that. My big thing is for a while, I would just say that I'm an artist. And now my weird brain thing is I have to say that I'm a professional artist. And that is like, Weird to say. <laughs> being an artist, it's not so different from being an owner-operator because we're still both creating something for ourselves. Yeah, and a lot of the times it's about creating something from scratch. That's also the reason why a lot of people don't really understand True North or startups in general. It's hard to create something out of nothing. It is. Even the logo takes time. I don't know if people really understand that, but my logo that I have, I actually made from scratch. Yeah. Yeah, it's like your image, your brand, your it's huge. Like you as an artist are making a whole world. Oh, yeah. So you're really good at painting? I don't know. Yes, maybe. Yes, I'm good at painting. <laughs> Do you have people commission or have you like commission like paintings for them? Or? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. How much do you charge for that? It's complicated. It depends on the composition. It depends on the technicalities, uh, how easy it is. It depends on how many hours, how big you want the canvas to be. There's so many things. Okay. 
Because I was thinking definitely if I get my house in Sierra Blanca, I'd want artwork in it, of course. And you'd probably be like the first person I'd be like, just name your price. Oh, I'm only a food painter. I'm the kitchen art person. People don't usually like food anywhere else, which is weird. I have food all over my house. I feel the same way. And I take such pride in what I'm doing. But I do things a lot differently and a lot of people do. When you're starting everything by yourself, it, people it can, can't understand how like insanely hard that is. It is like, very difficult. No, it is. You know, and you have to do in this day and age, it's not enough to just be a business person. Like you can't just run the business and then be like, oh, everyone will just come to you because you have a business. It's, no, you have to be a social media person. You have to do a lot of networking. Like I have to go to art shows all the time and I have to go and talk to other artists to figure out if it's a good idea to do this art there or that thing or whatever. It's a full-time job just to give your business legitimacy and recognition. And I think people just see it as the finished product. Yeah, that's the thing. But it's no, it's an ongoing ever-present annoyance, yeah. but also really fun experience. <laughs> yeah. You make it look so easy, which is an art talent just in itself. I for sure know, like, for what I do and seeing how hard it is for me to do what I do and have people tell me that too, you'll make it look so easy. I think it's the same thing with me running this podcast. I was like, oh, I should do a podcast. And I just thought, record the thing do a little sprinkle of editing and there it is <laughs> but really people don't see the <laughs> amount of work it is to actually edit something so every 45 it's 20 minutes that's like okay. a bad ratio because if you think about a recording being hours long my first episode i think it was four hours with raw recording and I narrowed it down to an hour and 30 minutes. And that took me a good seven hours, like an entire day of work, basically, to edit yeah. four hours of stuff. Oh, I can imagine. Because like, I know I've seen a couple like professional music artists and uh, all from Seattle, you know, how hard it was for them to come up. Steven, too. Steven actually used to run sound in high school for Macklemore. So what? <laughs> yeah. You went to high school with Macklemore. Crazy. I went to the same high school as a rapper named Grinch from Ballard. No one really knows about him though. Because like when Macklemore came up to fame, all the other rappers just did. Yeah. So it is what it is. It's a hard industry because 10,000 people could do it better than you. And mm -hmm. they have their own spin and shtick and all that. So making your name out there is just, once you do, it's like you're there and people love you for it. But getting there is just... It's like climbing a mountain. It's amazing. So how do your parents view your success? The other day I was talking on the phone with my mom and she's, you're on the cusp of becoming an adult now. Oh, on the yeah. cusp. On the cusp. Okay. <laughs> and I was just like, boy, if you sat in my truck for a month or so, like building yeah. my empire, it's a little hard talking with my parents and my family. It's not a knock on my mom or anything, but it's just when you're gone, when you're away and all that, they don't see all the bad things. They just see the finished product and you're still their little boy or little girl. There is no finished product for you as a oh, truck driver. Never. So it's, you're never going to get the satisfaction that 
you're trying to get because it's not like I set out to become a lawyer and I became that lawyer. So that's the finished product. For truck driving, it's really just do the thing and you might have people underneath you, which might be a success for you, or maybe that's one of your big goals. Or it could just be that you are a truck driver forever. You don't get an overall victory, but you get momentary victories. That is one of the biggest struggles for me is just parents and family and friends not seeing it. Yeah. Not seeing it the way you see it. You're the like, person that gets to see it. You're the only one that's in the truck. I've done a lot of artistic things in my past. And my dad is like the opposite of what most dads are like. My dad's, you're supposed to be a performing artist. And you're not a performing uh, artist. You are a performing artist, but like the performances look differently. Yeah, but yeah. Like, you're supposed yeah, so to be on just, Broadway. Why are yeah. you here? <laughs> he doesn't, he's not really in tune with the actual, the different platforms now. Yeah. It's all about perspective too. Like my cousin on the SPN, the ticker on the bottom screen that slides across, he was in charge of that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And there are a lot of paralegals and all that family. They're all college successful. So like my mom for the longest time and I also looked up to them and kind of was like, eh, must be nice. But it was so weird one day to figure out and have a conversation with my mom, brothers and sisters, because I just think, oh, screwing up. I dropped out of college because I'm not that smart. But then to turn around and have them be like, you're just such an inspiration because you have so many friends all over the country. You're creating your own business. But to them, what I'm doing is like movie starage. Ah, Very wow. impressive. Okay. So without learning about that, we're both over here being like, must be nice. <laughs> and especially with your dad, at the end of the day, they're super proud of you anyway. Right. Yeah. But of course, their worries are going to come out because their worries of what bad thing could happen to my daughter or son is at the front of their mind because they're proud of you. But they know this world, anything bad could happen to you at any time. And they would just love to focus on helping you not have those bad things happen. Oh, yeah. And I will say, yeah, my dad is very proud of me. I think that becoming a very successful, and I say this for myself, I feel like I'm very successful for being able to do all the things that I've been able to accomplish. And I know my dad is very proud. I know my family is very proud. I've always been a little out there. <laughs> I think as long as I continuously be the person who's out there, they're going to be super proud of me. So what is your greatest achievement? I guess one of my greatest achievements was starting my own company and running that. Whatever makes my parents happy and whatever would make whoever I date happy, I guess, would be my greatest achievement. You could do so many great things, but there is no better feeling in the world than an attaboy and a pat on the back for your dad. Right. All right. That's a pretty good one. And I feel the same way. Whenever my dad says, I'm proud of you, I'm like, oh. it just melts your heart. It's yeah, it really feeling. does. It's like a warm blanket you just wish you could just contain and wrap yourself in. Yeah. If there's a, any dads out there, Please just give people more Adam boys and a pat on the back because can't hear it enough. Yeah, honestly, it's life affirming. It is, especially for kids like me who aren't really full of themselves. Even if you're full it of yourself, it's just especially for someone yeah. who doesn't see all the good that they have done, and someone sometimes has to sit you down and slap you in the face and be like, 
Good, good. Sometimes it's just nice to, whenever there is someone out there who's just, did you just see what you just did? Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So more compliments in general. Everyone compliment people. I'm just going to put that out there. Everyone, it's everyone's job, compliment That's... someone. What kind of things do you like to do when you're not trucking? And I know that it probably isn't much because you barely go on vacation and because you're consistently working all the time. But remember a life before that <laughs> for one second. What do you typically get into? What are the things that you like to do? Trouble. No. I take a lot of time out on my land over there at Sierra Blanca. Right now, it's not much. It's just bushes, pretty much. But anyway, it's really nice because it's in the middle of nowhere. It's outdoors. It's fun. You can do whatever. Or different cities, I go out to bars or whatnot every once in a while. Depending on the atmosphere, some gay bars, fun, just because the atmosphere is... I'm a fan of disco, too. The gay community... I know in Seattle loves disco and I love disco, like the whole BGs. We have not gotten into music yet. What are your road tunes? What are you typically playing when you're in the truck? Let me pop it up here. I've got Linkin Park. I've got Billie Eilish. I've got Matthew Noyes, uh, Maglo, Mother Mother, that's rock. The Gorillas, Kelly Uchis, which is a Colombian music rap. You got like Rich the Kid. I listen to everything. Okay. And then Tame and Paula. I know you probably know who Tame and Paula is. I love Tame and Paula. Yeah. I did too. Did you know that like he's made his music frequency wise so that it sounds different with different ways of listening to it? I did not know that. Yeah, that's a really nice Easter egg that he has. I don't really like their new stuff, but their older stuff was good. I listen to pretty much anything and everything but country. You don't like the country. Oh. Wow. A truck driver that that doesn't listen to country? And who looks like this? Nice. The only thing I can sing really well is country, ironically. I have a good country voice, but friends are like, oh, you could become a country music star. I'm like, I would be hated in that music industry. Because could you just imagine that? Like me have produced records that go like platinum or something, and then they're asked, so what's your inspiration? I don't know. I'm just good at it. So what music artists do you like? Oh, I fucking hate country. And you have a cowboy hat and everything? Yeah. Yes, man. I sound, I don't know. I just never had a lot of that music. My wife left me and took the kids and my dog don't run away. My board won't start and my boots are worn and I haven't eaten anything for days. Is that like a song that you just made up? Yeah. That is 100%. All country songs. It is mostly like yep. I was cheated on. I cheated. I want to have a good time. And there's the beer with the boys and we're hanging out. I did something. Now I'm going to jail. And there's something about the open road. Yeah. And then there's like objects, right? My cowboy hat is everything. I have these very specific jeans that I love, Uh, but uh, it's mostly cheating on people. I still love it because the topics are the same every time and they find a new way to tell someone they cheated on them or they were cheated on or they're back together. Like I'm also somebody who watches way too many of those Hallmark original movies during Christmas time. And all those movies are the same, but I'm still there for every single one of them. I find it fascinating on how many times you can 
talk about the same topic, but in a different way. <laughs> yeah, like I've got some country things. Like I've got a wall. He's from Canada. Okay. Like country. John Denver, the highwayman. Okay, so we're going to wrap up, but I have one more question for you. I love it. What is your favorite possession? Gosh, I've got my dad's parents' passports from the Dominion of Canada when Canada was still not its own country. Whoa, okay. Yeah, so the passports are like from 1886, I'd say. That is very interesting. (laughs) I've got those. I've got handcuffs. Those are also really fun. Tell me more. Because <laughs> I was in law enforcement. I was in the police force. And so, That's the reason why you have handcuffs? Yeah, I've actually used them on quite a bit of people. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, on the street. Yeah, no, they're like... The on the street? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, when I was in the police explorers, I'd have my uniform and I have them on me so that mm-hmm. I can get... If we had to arrest someone, I could get practice and all that on using them so they're actually police issued uh handcuffs which you need a license to buy which i couldn't just buy now that i'm out of it but i got those which is cool i know a lot of people use handcuffs for other reasons but those ones are a lot less comfortable and my dad or my ford my old f-250 special because my dad bought it for me when i was at a really low point in my life okay and that's still do you still drive it around and all that i do All right, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Mike, for being here. Can't wait to do it again. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Let It Ride with True North. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend. For more information on how True North supports real owner operators like you just heard, follow us on Facebook at True North Transportation Co. Find us on Instagram or on our blog at truenorthfleet.com. Let It Ride with True North is a production of True North Transportation. This episode was edited, produced, and hosted by me, Milan Allen. See you next time.